0: to share the truth of God's Word with you. I'm always uh, quite humbled by the, uh, by the opportunity and that God would use someone such as, as me to speak, to even speak, his very holy words of truth. Um, I intended for this to be short. then are we recording this or... You are? Okay. <laughs> already already done it. So, I intended for it to be short, but somehow I ended up with five pages of notes. So, um, we're going to give it a whirl. Father in heaven, speak to our hearts, we pray, in Jesus' name. So, if I were to entitle this message, it would be Slaves and a World Gone Man. And has not the world gone mad? Um, Or or rather, has it always been mad? Um, We may have been spared a bit from some of the madness. um, Being born or even being raised or even coming to this country and experiencing the great freedoms that that we experience here. Um, But our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world have suffered intense persecution and do to this day um, as they have been killed, um, murdered, uh, raped, pillaged for their faith in Christ. I always find it to be an interesting thing how anytime that a little persecution comes to uh, the church in America that Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Um, and uh, I think that Although I am incredibly grateful for the country that I was born in and that I live in, Um, as I know that you are too, um, and incredibly grateful for the men who fought and bled, um, poured out their blood to purchase the freedom that we experience in this land. Um, Sometimes the life of ease that we live here, I believe, can be to our detriment. God has been challenging my motives concerning the way that I view my freedom. Um, I think oftentimes that it's our natural tendency as as humans, as sinners, to elevate gifts uh, above giver, uh, the giver of those gifts. God has granted us great freedom, Um, and oftentimes I think that I live dangerously close to worshiping my, or elevating my personal freedom, um, rather than the one who granted me that freedom. Like any other type of idolatry, this causes us to focus on the temporal rather than the eternal, And as I said before, God is challenging my motives. If called for the sake of God's kingdom, would we be obedient to give up that which we value the most? Would we give our lives? Would we give up our freedom? Does God call us to do such things? As I meditated on on this, I was reminded of this Greek word um, that is used throughout the, the, the scripture, but particularly now to talk about under the New Covenant, the New Testament. The Greek word doulos, um, literal translation slave, um, used, uh, I believe, 125 times in the New Testament. Um, sometimes it's, it's used in a, in a literal sense, speaking of actual slaves. Um, more often than not, I believe 118 times that the believers in the early church, the disciples, the apostles, the followers of Christ, um, didn't call themselves by those things. They called themselves slaves. Almost every modern English translation um, translates this Greek word doulos as servant or bondservant, and I believe for obvious reasons. Um, slavery is, is not held as a, uh, as a positive um, it, in any culture, at least that I know of, at least the one that I was raised in. But this Greek word literally means... Owned property, totally and unquestionably at the behest of the owner. And I think it's only the Holman Christian Standard Bible that translates this word um, more accurately and correctly as slaves. In Romans chapter 1, Paul, the apostle, refers to himself as a slave of Christ. In Romans 6, again, Paul's speaking of the obedience that leads to righteousness, that um, in general, all believers are slaves of righteousness. The apostles were slaves for Christians, for their sake, and for the sake of Christ in 2 Corinthians. Paul's helpers were slaves of Christ in in Philippians 1.1. James identifies himself as a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter was a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ, 2 Peter 1.1. Jude was a slave of Jesus Christ, Jude 1. John, the apostle, was the Lord's slave, Revelation 1.1. And it goes on and on. The apostles and the early believers considered servility um, of Christ to be a privilege. And in Romans chapter 6, Paul tells us, now that you have been set free from sin, you have become slaves of God. So going back to the beginning of the message, how are we to live in a world gone mad? As slaves, as those who are bought with a price and owned by God, our King. Not distracted by the cares of this life or robbed of our joy because of the degradation of society that happens around us. Not building earthly kingdoms, which will soon pass away. Nor in the fear of man, but in the fear of God. As those with a singular heart in mind, that God would receive the glory that he alone is due, no matter the cost. And knowing this, that the greater that God is glorified, the greater our joy is in him. The more our every intention and action is that of service to his kingdom, the freer from bondage of this world that we become. Paul tells the church at Corinth in chapter 5, verse 15. This is 2 Corinthians 5, 15. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. The transatlantic slave trade um, went on from the 16th to the 19th century. Um, And it's said that it Reached its peak in the 1700s. This transatlantic slave trade um, was the forced migration of 12 to 15 million African slaves brought to the Americas for um, Portugal and, and British, um, sorry, Britain, French ships, Spanish ships, Dutch. Um, forced our fellow man into slavery and took them across the seas. Um, Thousands attempted suicide. Suicide was so prevalent among the slaves that the slave traders devised nets that would wrap all the way around the ship uh, that would prevent the slaves from being able to jump overboard. Those who did succeed, it said that um, they would hold on to one another as they sank into the seas because they would rather die than live a life enslaved. It's heartbreaking, the sheer hopelessness of, of that thought, of men oppressing their fellow men to the point where I'd rather die than be enslaved. Now, I'd like to contrast this with something that was happening in another part of the world around the same time. And I'm going to read this quick account to you. During this time in another part of the world, as I said, a revival had occurred among a group of Moravian Christians who had fled the oppression of the state religion in Moravia uh, under Roman Catholicism and they settled a colony in Germany. These Moravian Christians had a simple yet powerful singular mission, to glorify God through the preaching of the gospel. And they organized round-the-clock prayer and sent hundreds of missionaries to the corners of the world. In 1732, during the height of the transatlantic slave trade, two Moravian tradesmen, A 36-year-old named David Nitchman and a 26-year-old John Leonard Dauber became the first missionaries to leave this colony. They had heard of a plight of African slaves on the island of St. Thomas in the Caribbean and how there was a spiritual hunger, but they had no one to share the gospel with them. They determined to go by any means necessary, even when they were told they would have to sell themselves into slavery in order to minister among the slaves. And as it turns out, when they offered themselves as slaves, they were laughed at because no one would buy white men as slaves. So they traveled to St. Thomas by working their trades. And according to the story, as they stood on the ship departing from the wharf, looking for what they believed to be the last time on the faces of their loved ones, they raised their fists and cried, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And they sailed away. They sold themselves as slaves of men because they were truly indeed slaves of God. And they counted This life to be so little in comparison to the life that was to come. What, What a contrast between the hopelessness of slaves who would jump overboard because they would rather die than be enslaved, and to those under the call and empowerment of the Holy Spirit, would enslave themselves to men to preach freedom to the captives, humbled by that account. We ought to at the very least consider ourselves as slaves of Christ, slaves to the gospel, constrained by its very power in our lives. To quickly reconcile these two ideas and hopefully bring bring it together. It was General John Stark, In a letter that said, Live free or die, which in the 1940s was adopted as New Hampshire's motto. And Patrick Henry would say, Give me liberty or give me death. And I read statements like this from bold men that have gone before me. And and it emboldens me to to stand up and, and, and to fight. The question is, is what are we fighting for? This is another way that God has challenged my motives. Am I fighting for my own freedom or am I fighting for the freedom of others? Am I fighting to keep my comfortable, cushy American life? Or are we fighting to maintain the freedom to further the gospel? And is freedom required to share the gospel? Not required, but certainly preferred. Are we fighting for ourselves or for the sake of others? Is our resistance rooted in selfishness? Are we slaves to our own freedom? Are we called to be slaves of men? Are we called to passivity and and harmlessness, or rather peace and meekness? Are we not called to serve others, to to stop oppression, to do justice, to defend the defenseless? I say with a very emphatic, most certainly we are. In Micah 6, 8, it says, O man, wait, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Psalm 82 verse three says, "'Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. "'Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. "'Rescue the weak and the needy. "'Deliver them from the hand of the wicked.'" Isaiah 1 says, cease to do evil and learn to do good. Seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless and to the widow and plead the widow's cause. Whatever course of action you take in obedience to these commands, whatever your degree of involvement is in politics or political action, Our goal as slaves of Christ must always be to bring true spiritual freedom through the truth of the gospel brought to every man, woman, and child. The greatest and most powerful action that we can take against the lies, the deception, the mass psychosis in our society, against oppression, is to preach the truth far and wide. We have been commissioned by our God to do so, drafted by God our Savior, enlisted in the service of the King. Jesus says in Mark sixteen fifteen, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And again in Matthew twenty eight sixteen, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Paul would say to the church of Corinth that we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, imploring all on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. We have been commissioned by the Son of God to preach freedom to the captives. Repentance. The other night, um, 3 a.m., the fire alarm went off in our house. Um, And they're all linked together, and it goes off in every room. And every bedroom has the fire alarm. And the alarm in our house goes, Fire! Fire! Fire, fire, again, fire, fire, fire. And then it's this piercing, you know, high-pitched, obviously, so that everybody in the house can hear and they can know <laughs> the alarm is going off. There's a fire ablaze. And in two ways, I couldn't help but, but think of, actually, as I laid in bed and couldn't fall asleep, as we, as we found which fire alarm that it was, which happened to be, about 18 feet in the air, as I was figuring out how to press the button. No fire, false alarm. But as I lie awake in bed that night, um, I began to think about that alarm. And first off, it made me think of a call to wake up to the sleepy Christians. There's a fire ablaze. And then I also thought that we are God's fire alarm to the world. And there's a fire ablaze, and yet there's hope. And you can be rescued. In our presentation of this Great Commission, oftentimes what concerns me is our very presentation. It's been said before that presentation is everything. Well, maybe not everything, but um, a kind word goes a long way. A reasonable word, a gentle word. I think that more often than not, our competitive nature comes out when we interact with, with unbelievers. In our attempt to win sinners, it looks more like we're trying to win an argument. For the sake of our own pride. I think oftentimes we find ourselves fighting for what's mine instead of fighting for what's his. Paul tells the church at Philippi to let your gentleness be known to all. Well, I either skip the page or forgive me. And in 1 Peter three fourteen, he says, but even if you suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Notice this. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. And again in Philippians, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, Rejoice. Let your reasonable can't speak reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Give me two minutes and I'm done. In Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul lists what is called the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of that christ has transformed and redeemed a life and he says that this fruit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control and against such there is no law my encouragement to you here tonight and to myself as the lord challenged me is to win the sinner through your reasonableness and through the very fruit of the Spirit. When we preach, when we reason, converse with the unbelieving heart, what is the message that is conveyed? That our hope is in eternity? That we're citizens of another land? Or that we're just as much slaves to this world as they are? We as God's people are often entirely too caught up in the cares of this world Our passion should be for Christ advancing his kingdom and for his glory. Yet somehow we find ourselves more passionate for politics, more fervent for personal freedom than to free sinners from the fires of hell. May we never be those accused of political agenda. We have one agenda, to glorify God by rescuing sinners from the fires of hell. One more section of scripture I'd like to read to you. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Slaves, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and to the gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. And notice this church. For you were once straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Our greatest offense against the turmoil, the degradation, the oppression, the lies, the delusion, the deception. And as I said before, the mass psychosis. One psychologist called called it menticide the answer is to preach the truth with boldness, yet with gentleness and reason, with passion for God's glory, like the Moravian Christians who would say, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. How are we to function in a world gone mad as slaves of Christ? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I acknowledge that my words mean nothing, that your words mean everything. Thank you for being so gracious to us. May faith be the response of our hearts, the response of hearing your word. Empower us by your spirit. God, inspire us by the accounts of these Moravian Christians who truly gave it all so that others might experience real freedom, eternal freedom, and rest in you. And yet the only way to know real freedom is to be slaves of God. We give you glory for you alone are due. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I think that's it, right?